Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best Kids TV Channel. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Welcome to We Got This with Mark and Hal. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. The show? No, this intro. Do you think this oh. intro is working for us? I don't know. I mean, about it? sure, of course we can. It, you know what it feels like? It feels like an official beginning to a show. You know what yeah. I mean? Where normally we just start, yeah. but it also, it, yeah, it has that very, we're saying it because we're supposed to. Yeah, it doesn't feel right. That's not who we are. We don't know who, who are we supposed Hal? to do. How are we, how do you want to start starting we're the show? We're two white guys talking to microphones like almost every podcast. That's fair. Well, how do you want to start the show now? I want to talk about kids' TV channels. Oh, we're just going to get right into the meat. Yeah, yeah, that's what we did in season one, Hal. The 400 episodes of season one, that's what we did. <laughs> but you know what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, that's what got us a pickup. Yeah, that's right. Let's talk about kids' TV channels. There are a million of them now. When we were kids, there were not. What was your relationship to television as a kid? To these specifically these channels? Because I know the networks had their afternoon lineups, but these are all pretty strictly cable channels, except for one, I think, of the big ones. I have very strong merit. Now, I'm young enough. We didn't have cable when I was very young. So yeah. it was a lot of like, I remember watching Transformers and G.I. Joe mm-hmm. and also even younger than that, Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers Neighborhood would come on right before dinner. So yeah. I knew when it was I had that I've talked about that before. My Pavlovian response to Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood as a kid was it made me like I salivated as like a dog with a bell ringing. I knew it was like, oh, I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm hungry. It's time to eat. Now I just listen to it and it calms me and I fall asleep. But when we moved, when I was eight, we had Nickelodeon, so I got to mm-hmm. it like just in time. But it felt like at that point we hadn't gotten into the Nicktoons of the early '90s, so it was really yeah. chilled. It was like Pinwheel and Sharon Lois and Bram. You sure. can't do that on television. Today's which special. Of I loved Today's Special, Out of Control. So I loved like Out of Control. You can't do that yeah. on television. Those were the really fun shows, and it was cool to feel like there was a network because at that age, MTV's really not for you yet. You're too young for MTV, or you were at that point, mm-hmm. at like eight, nine years old. This was a channel made just for you. And prior to that, you just had blocks of programming that were just yeah. for you. That was the thing that I loved about Nickelodeon as a kid because we're, you know, we're just a couple of years apart in age. So we, mm-hmm. uh, by the way, I should point out that neither of us has kids. This is two uh, grown dudes in their 40s with a podcast talking about children's entertainment. Uh, so, you know what? But we've both worked in kids entertainment for yeah. a long time. So a lot of this will come from a creator standpoint as well as a viewer standpoint. But as a viewer, yeah, I grew up on Nickelodeon. I was a pinwheel kid. My sister was more of a pinwheel kid. And it used to drive us crazy. Have I talked about this on the show? That I liked yeah. pinwheel. It was fine. I'll say it again. Please. I'll say it again. My sister loved pinwheel. And she, it was always on, you know, it was like, we each got to pick our show that we would watch and they were all on at different times. Like, okay, well, your sister gets to watch Pinwheel and then you get to pick a show. But Pinwheel, I remember being four hours long. Is that true? 
I think it was a very long show. It was made yeah. up of different segments. I'm pretty sure the Paddington, those stop motion mm-hmm. Paddington shorts from the 70s were either in Pinwheel or they were in something else. Yeah. I own them all now. I bought them on Apple TV because I love them so much. I love it. Like, the, the, Padding, the Paddingtons or the or Pinwheel episodes? No, no, Paddingtons. All the Paddington yeah. shorts. They're, they're so endearing and the music is great. Yeah. I was a You Can't Do That on Television kid. Yes, of course. Ken is telling us Pinwheel was 60 minutes long, which to a kid is a larger percentage of your life when you're yeah. six than it is when you're 40. So, yeah, it felt like it was four hours long. That's a telethon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to a six-year-old. That age. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I got super into You Can't Do That on Television as a kid. I loved the sliming. I loved all of the characters that the two adults played on it. I loved the recurring segments with, like, you can't put a kid up in front of a firing squad anymore. I mean, this they were putting kids in peril on Nickelodeon. Yes. And it leads me to a thought that I had about this. And one thing about Nickelodeon specifically, we'll get to some of the other channels, but while we're already talking about Nickelodeon, the thing that Nickelodeon did for me as a kid that I thought was absolutely brilliant in the 80s was it set up an adversarial relationship between kids and parents. So the network itself felt subversive. You know what I mean? Like, your parents aren't allowed to watch this. This channel is Nickelodeon. This is for kids. Kids are way awesomer than parents are. So watch this channel. This is just for you. We're going to do gross-out humor. We're going to put kids in front of firing squads. We're going to slime them. We're going to have them in dungeons telling off-color puns. Um, you even have your own version later on in the 90s, and we'll talk about the boom, I'm sure, of the 90s. We, kids had their own version of SNL and all that. Yeah. Which gave us Keenan Thompson, and I think Amanda Bynes was on that, wasn't she? She was, as was Kel Mitchell, who Keenan and Kel are now. Keenan and Kel uh, came out. I mean, that had a spinoff to it. I mean, uh, that show was a very big deal. Yeah, but that felt to me like I don't know. Did you get that sense from it growing up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the purpose of it. So, so MTV comes along, right? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, this this generation of teens feels like they have a channel that gets them. Mm -hmm. This is for them. This is the channel that understands them of what they want and they, you know, it's cool to watch it. And then for Nickelodeon, it's the same thing for kids. It is, there is an identity to it. Like, oh, I watch this and it's for me. My mm-hmm. parents won't get it. They have their boring stuffy television and I have this that I enjoy. Yeah. And it's 24 hours a day, even though it was infomercials early, early, early morning. And then yeah. Nick at night, which is when I was maybe 15, 16. I would yeah. watch the Nick at Night power block like every night. Watch Sanford and Son and the Jeffersons, yeah. All in the Family, like all, like a ton of classic Norman Lear shows. And well, it was TV was on there for a while. Monty Python was on there for a little yeah. while. SNL reruns were on there for a little. Like it was bouncing around because it's Viacom mm-hmm. between VH1, which was like that's your parents' music channel. Yeah, you would age out of MTV and into VH1. Sure, but but those three stations revived and and made those shows available. I loved that. I loved Nick at Night because it had that, like, you never have to, ideally, I guess it was, the idea was you never have to change the channel from Nickelodeon. Just leave your TV on Nickelodeon all day. Once you put the kids to bed, now we're going to play nostalgia shows for the parents. But yeah, it introduced me to, uh, the big ones that I watched on there were SCTV, Monty Python, Mm -hmm. and I loved Alfred Hitchcock Presents. They always played Alfred Hitchcock Presents episodes. And it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, 
Uh, Nickelodeon was great back in the day. Started in 1977, so the OG channel for kids on cable. I think the main competitor when we were kids, though, mm-hmm. was Disney Channel, which launched, if I'm not mistaken, in 83. Is that right? Yeah, something like that. Were and you a Disney Channel kid as well? I, I was a little bit. A, a lot of mm. it felt like it was too young for me yeah. in a weird way. Cause it, because by eight, all the Disney stuff that I loved, we already had on those, those giant clamshell VHS. Sure. And I was really getting into, you know, you're getting into more of a Looney Tunes mentality. You're aging out of, out of what Disney was at that point. And if you go mm-hmm. back, you can find like Rapscallion Mickey plenty, but yeah. you start aging into Looney Tunes and all of a sudden Disney Channel feels a little too young. And there's something very saccharine about it, which there, there's a weird like purity to Nickelodeon being for kids. And Disney has such a tight lid on who they are and what their identity is mm-hmm. that it was just very like here video, like here's a bunch of cartoon clips set to a hero. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're, we're going to do our own version of MTV, but instead of music videos, it's going to be old cartoons. Uh, Ken has corrected me. It was 1979 that Nickelodeon yeah. came out. So not Disney that. Disney was far 83. Apart. What yeah. I do remember from Disney, not the, and I don't know if these were even considered DCOMs, the Disney Channel original movies, which are now very popular. And some of mm-hmm. them are fantastic, like surprisingly great. You like, yeah. you don't think about it because it has a reputation. High School Musical Disney. is fantastic. Ice Cube music is great. The first Zombies is fantastic. Like the really music good. in Descendants is great. Yeah, like they have messages. <laughs> yeah. They're actually like you can learn things and 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 all that. But the movies that I watched on Disney mm. were the not quite human movies with Chip the robot, <laughs> who is the son of the quote unquote son of his inventor, played by Alan Thicke. Wow. There was some, look, they did some great work back in the day. Those, those Disney Channel original movies, I think that was the thing that Nickelodeon wasn't doing. Disney was make, and even until up through the nineties and two thousands, Disney was making a heck of a lot more movies than Nickelodeon was. I mean, they had yeah. the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. I think they had, uh, maybe an iCarly movie, a couple of, uh, but it wasn't, they never, they never really leaned into that. The way Disney did with original characters and the movies themselves as standalone things. But going back to what I was talking about before, I think that's a primary difference between Nickelodeon and Disney is that for the Disney Channel, the parents and the kids were on the same team. You are a family watching stuff together. And because Disney is so protective of their brand and what they say, I don't know that I'd go so far as to call it saccharine, but it was more... There were more guardrails on the Disney Channel of what you could do and say because it was Disney. And Nickelodeon was just throwing stuff at the wall to see what would happen. Sure, Mark Summers will tell you to run through a giant nose and grab a flag. All right, great. Let's do it. Well, geez, the era of that was the thing that Nickelodeon did so well Mm -hmm. is expand into game shows and then expand into sketch comedy. Yeah. Then things got... They started making, like, you have Salute Your Shorts, which mm-hmm. is like a classic kid sitcom. Yeah, then you Salute Your Shorts is great. Pete and Pete, which is just a good television show. It really was. Like, and they're both on this network. They're made for kids, but they're great. Yeah. You have the Nicktoons. You have Rugrats, which is still popular today. You have Ren and Stimpy, which despite having a very problematic creator, 
There's no mm-hmm. doubt that that was a very impactful cartoon in terms of like the cultural zeitgeist around it. it was so strong. You were so into it. And now Disney has fantastic animated series at yeah. Disney XD in particular. So they eventually like Disney's large enough and both they all kind of split, right? You had the mm-hmm. Nick Jr. block, which then spun off to its own network. You had Nick at Night, which became its own network. Right. Disney becomes Disney. And uh I think there's a Disney – there was a Disney Junior if there isn't any more. There is a Disney Junior. There's Disney, Disney there's Junior, Disney XD. Disney XD. So which three is, which different is like Gravity eras of Falls. Kid. Like it's all yeah. that all that great so – I keep reading for these shows, these like Disney <laughs> XD, like yeah. amphibious – like these great shows. I've never gotten on one. But I did do an ad for Disney XD mm-hmm. that I never saw where I was the voice of a grizzly bear that was a cheerleader. In high school. And I remember going to the casting studio, the one on La Brea above the Lamps Plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And seeing Urbana. 200 South there. La Brea. And Urbana. We've talked about 200 South La Brea before on this yes, show. The audition place. It's the commercial audition hub in Los Angeles. Yes. If you come to visit Los Angeles, go to 200 South La Brea, go upstairs and just sit there for five minutes and you'll get a real sense of an insane day in Los Angeles. There's kids auditioning for commercials. There's dogs auditioning for commercials. Mm-hmm. There's actual cops auditioning to play cops. So you'll see them all in uniform because it's easier to hire an actual cop who moonlights as an actor than to rent a uniform. Yep, so you see, it looks like that room looks like what PB's Big Adventure promised me that Hollywood was going to look like. Yeah. The second you walk into the room, you hear, all right, group two, come here, get your instructions. Yeah. And then yeah. you're there for like a 215 audition that you will go in for at 345. Yep. And it will it's- be run by the person who will inevitably get the job. You go in and the person behind the camera, you're like, wait a minute, you're the guy in all of the commercials. And he's like, yep, I'm going to be the guy in this one, too. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Perk of the job, I guess. Um, All that to say, that was my, that remains my one appearance on Disney XD was doing that, yeah. uh, that ad that I've never seen. I actually did a fair amount of time on Disney XD. Sure did. Primarily, uh, I did Star vs. the Forces of Evil, so I'm a little biased toward that network. I did a mm-hmm. ton of episodes of that, but also doing their live action shows. And that's another sort of apples-to-apples comparison we can make is these live action shows that Disney had versus what Nickelodeon had. Going as far back as Kids Incorporated for Disney Channel. And then most of the, I did watch that. I did watch Kids Incorporated. Kids Incorporated followed by, uh, the Mickey Mouse Club. Yes. I didn't like the new Mickey Mouse Club. You didn't like it? No, because I watched pretty much every episode of the old Mickey Mouse Club. We had them on VHS. Uh, yeah. I liked it. I watched it every day. I auditioned for it as a kid with a (laughs) cure song. And I don't know why they didn't take the kid that came in and sang Friday I'm in Love as his Uh Disney audition. Well, it could have been you and Britney Spears. That's right. Christina Aguilera, Justin Timberlake, Ryan Gosling. Well, that's the thing I wanted to mention. Think about this. Like yeah. Nickelodeon has created a few stars. Disney was the pipeline for the longest time. You had Wizards of Waverly Place with Selena Gomez. You had Mickey Mouse Club with all of the people you just mentioned. You had Hannah Montana with Miley Cyrus. It was and Billy Ray. And Billy Ray, if you were, Billy Ray was already a star at that point, but if yeah. you, as far as like kids getting put into the machine that turns them into stars, the nobody Sprouse did twins. that like Disney. Yeah. Colin Dylan Sprouse, 
Yeah. Nickelodeon had it with the Dan Schneider shows who turned out to be terribly problematic. Yes. Did I tell you about my experience working on one of those shows? This wasn't working on I'm with the band because that was no so show. That was the thing. And I look, I don't want to disparage any show, but doing I'm in the band, Gamer's Guide, some of the other Disney Plus shows. One of my favorite places to be and to work in L.A. is at It's a Laugh Productions, which is where they shoot all of them. We were right next to Sweet Life on Deck. I did a few episodes of I'm in the Band. And it was just it's just a joyful, fun, magical place where everyone gets along. And like the girl in our cast was feuding with a girl from another Disney Channel show. So we're helping her think of pranks to pull. Like it was just a fun place to be contrasted with Nickelodeon, which was delightful, but there was always more of a tension on set and it was a little weirder. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like uh, Disney, we would do it in front of a live audience for the Dan Schneider shows. You would come in and do your scene or you would do the, the show and he would be the one sitting off on the side with one big, loud, fake laugh just to leave a gap where the laugh goes. So like it was like set up, punchline <laughs> and then back into the scene and it was the weirdest way to do a show apropos of nothing i just think that was an interesting yeah. way of working and i think that the stars that came out of that maybe came out of it despite nickelodeon and not because of it you know what i mean yeah it's a diff- like it's i think definitely- ariana grande blew up because ariana grande was going to blow up whether or not she was in a pipeline sure sure i think that uh at a certain point there, the, the, the quality kind of levels out and you're just mm-hmm. sort of picking which one you like better, which is good. I have a question for you and it's an important question, but before I ask it. Yeah. And before I introduce the third entrant into this, cause I know we're talking about two channels. There's another mm-hmm. big one that we need to talk about. And we also need to discuss this fourth thing that I'm going to bring up. But I'm I would argue there are wait. five, there are three more channels. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into all that. We're going to talk about Sprout TV. I promise. Uh, we'll, we'll be back <laughs> shortly. This show is made possible by the support of Max Fund members. And if you support our show, you might enjoy some of the other shows on the network. Come hear about a few of them, won't you? I don't want to tell you what to do with your life, but I do want to tell you to stick around. So maybe I'm lying. We'll be back. You tell me what to do with mine. That's different. I'm glad you said that because nobody says that. Can I just say thank you to you for such a thoughtful interview? Oh, my God. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Bullseye. Interviews with creators you love and creators you need to know. Listen to the Bullseye podcast only from NPR and Maximum Fun. Hey, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin. Listen, you like podcasts, right? Sure you do. Don't try and lie to me. You're listening to one right now. So why not try a different one? called R1, The Flophouse. Uh-huh, and on The Flophouse, we watch a movie and talk about it. And then sometimes we also do other stuff. It's all meant to be funny and fun, and we think you'll have a good time. And just to be clear, the name of the podcast is not Our One, The Flophouse. It's just called The Flophouse. <laughs> I do a lot of correcting Dan. The Flophouse, a lot of correcting Dan. Okay, Mark, I promised. I made everybody wait. Yeah, to know what you were going to ask. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Before cable. Yeah. If you were to pick a channel that was available on your television and say that is the channel for kids of all of these, knowing that they have a full slate of programming, which channel – I'm just curious which channel you would pick. I'm curious if you would say the same thing I would. I would say 
And this is also what I think is now a contender because all of their content has moved to one specific channel that's just for that, which is PBS and PBS Kids. A hundred percent. Because like we're talking about Nickelodeon and we're talking about Disney. We talked about all the great shows that those have. But I would like to point out that PBS is no slouch. PBS Mm -hmm. is the home of Barney. It's the home of it was the home of Sesame Street. Yeah. I it know was the Sesame's home of, on HBO now, but sure. it's it's a PBS. It's a PBS show. show. It's Let's Reading Rainbow, Barney, Bill Nye the Science Guy, Magic School Bus, Mr. Rogers Neighborhood, Arthur, Sesame Street. Like there are so many legendary shows that came out of PBS. Three two one contact. Square is the one reason is the moment when I everything like- happens contact. I don't know if they've ever rebooted Square One, but I feel like yeah. Square One is so fun. absolutely primed for a comeback. Yeah. It was a show for you kids out there. I know we have kids who listen to the show. Square One was a show on PBS that focused almost entirely on math. So they had a mm-hmm. ma- they had MathNet for the two cops. They had gun handles, but they were on calculators, like a Smith and Wesson handle on a calculator. Then they had Mathman who was like a little Pac-Man guy who would have to eat like prime numbers. So you go, math man, math man, math man. It was just a really fun show. I do want to say there was a great educational show that came, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Wizard was. Oh, on, was I was a Mr. Wizard super fan. We talked about Mr. Wizard just recently on the show because he's the one that mm-hmm. taught me how to make a record player. That's right. Mr. Yeah. Wizard is an indelible part of your life if you're of a certain age. And he was one of those OG when, when Nickelodeon became a little bit more widespread, which happened more in the eighties. Then it did, you know, it comes in in like 79. At yeah. that point, HBO is not that old yet. Like a lot of these cable channels are sort of still like climbing out of the primordial ooze. But he was there. He was a big part of Nickelodeon's early development. So it'd be weird not to shout that out. Yeah, that show was great. It's funny you mentioned the early days of cable. It always feels like the early days of cable to me are like now looking back, I think of it like Soviet era Russia, where there was one cheese, one bread, one milk. This is cable TV where there is one channel for kids, one channel for movies, one channel for sports. One channel, one bread, one milk. <laughs> yeah, there, there were, uh, look, there were fewer channels. And yeah. bread only cost a nickel. Yeah, but back in our day. It is important to note, like, I think of all of these, PBS mm-hmm. might have the strongest slate. Really Absolutely. Early, earlier development childhood, with yeah. the exception of Caillou, which everybody hates, but you have Mr. Sure. Rogers' Neighborhood, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, now yeah. brilliantly and beautifully continuing. Curious George, Teletubbies. Heritage. Yes. Well, Teletubbies still is a, that's an acid fueled nightmare, but <laughs> great for babies if you're very, very small. Same yeah. with Barney. Have you watched the Barney documentary series? No. Oh, is it about his descent into madness? No, it is about the rise of Barney and like the people, like how this mother sort of created him. And then all these other mothers helped sell tapes because they sold tapes originally. And then they did live shows and then it yeah. became television show and then became bigger and bigger and bigger. And the guy who played Barney for a very long time is no longer associated with Barney, but yeah. he is a tantric. He's into Tantra. Oh, wow. Put it that way. And he was never allowed to talk about it while he was Barney. But he was I really love good. you. You love me. <laughs> but wasn't the voice. I know. All oh, sorry. the me... way until next week. Sorry. 
Yeah, yeah, you know who was in there? Sting. Are you enjoying that cookie? That can last for eight hours. <laughs> Just take small bites. Yeah, it was somebody in the suit, and then there was somebody else providing the voice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's another great early Nickelodeon show, which was Leonard Nimoy as himself hosting standby lights, camera, action. I'm not going to lie, Hal. The reason that you and I are talking today is because of standby lights, camera, action. And when I was a movie. kid, I was obsessed with that show. And my mom still tells the story. I was sitting and I was watching Standby Lights, Camera, Action one day. I was watching the behind the scenes of, it was either one of the Star Wars movies or Octopussy. Those were the ones that were happening at the time. Or Never Say Never Again. Yeah. It was a, a bond. No, and they were showing. Been Octopussy. It would have been Octopussy. They were showing the sets and like, you know, like to see like a Bond villain lair as a soundstage and then to see the world of Star Wars and how that was all made. I called my mom into the living room where I was watching Leonard Nimoy to tell her that I was going to be an actor. And that was the when I decided and she said, OK, and she signed me up for acting classes at the Bijou Theatrical Academy the next day. And that show is responsible for that. If you've never seen Standby Lights, Camera Action, it was amazing. It is on, you can find clips of it on uh, YouTube now. One of the clips on there is Leonard Nimoy showing you everything inside an actor's makeup kit, which I thought was just so cool. And when I got my first Ben Nye kit in college, I was so fired up. <laughs> yeah, that was, it was an incredible show. Yeah. And I'm grateful to it that you're here now. That's, yeah, that's maybe the best part of it. Amen, brother. Um, Thank you. Yeah, that was that had a nice long five year run. The the fourth the, the other station I was going to bring into it that I thought was a heavy hitter. We can mention mm-hmm. all the other stations that exist is Cartoon mm-hmm. Network, which has gone yeah. through a number of different iterations. It was originally a lot more classic stuff, and then Space Ghost Coast to Coast. This like mix of like children's and adult stuff. Well, yeah, more, they more separated. Original. They delineated Adult Swim and yes. Cartoon Network, and now it just feels like because nobody watches things at the at the appropriate time for television anymore. Now it's all streaming. You can watch whatever, whenever. So it seems like all of Cartoon Network is mixed up now. You know what I mean? Yes. Now Cartoon Network and Adult Swim is where I have more experience, not more right. than you, but I just have more experience for me. Right. Uh, well, I was your I was your henchman on. Yes, but then I was Adult also Swim. on a Cartoon Network series at the same time. That was uh, Magiswords? Mighty, Mighty Magiswords, yeah. yeah. And How was, was that experience? It was great. And I yeah. mean, you know, Cartoon Network at the time, they have that. They have Venture Brothers going on. Of course, Rick and Morty is a huge hit. I don't mm-hmm. count that as kids stuff, though. Yeah. Adult Swim is its own entity. But you do have Steven Universe. You have We Bear Bears. Yeah. You have a lot of great programming on Cartoon Network. Clarence? Was Clarence Cartoon Network? I think so. Yeah. I think so. But I think Cartoon Network is another really important one. And of course they spun off the classic cartoons in the boomerang. That was, I was, I was going to ask you about that next because we've sort of let, so far we have let Nick Jr. piggyback on Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. We have let Disney Jr. piggyback on the Disney Channel. Are we going to combine into one Cartoon Network and boomerang? Because they are spinoffs of the same thing? Or does it feel different enough? Because I was going to argue that the fifth of the great children's networks, Nickelodeon, Disney, Cartoon Network, PBS Kids, and Boomerang would have been the last one. Because that is all of Looney Tunes, all of Hanna-Barbera, all of the – like that feels like that's where the catalog is and the library, Tom and Jerry, everything – you know, all the cartoons we that our parents and their parents maybe even grew up watching. Yeah. 
that's the home base for that. What do you think? I think it's a great channel. I think it's, it was, how great is it that they generated enough content Mm-hmm. On their own, enough original content that they had to spin off, that it made sense to spin off. Because there's no way we're going to fit all this programming in somewhere. And yeah. really, how is a kid in the year of our flying spaghetti monster 2023 going to learn about Huckleberry Hound? Yeah. Or Augie Doggy and Doggy Daddy or Laugh Olympics, Wacky Races. Uh, all, the, have you watched the those... new Wacky Races, by the way? They're great. No, they. I didn't get cast as Muttley, so I refused to watch. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot you auditioned for Muttley. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. this is the role I've been, I've been auditioning for, I've been preparing for this audition <laughs> for 15 years. <laughs> Didn't happen. Um, no, but I, it's, uh, they're really good at bringing back stuff because the guy who did do Muttley, which is Billy West, like yeah. those guys know all of those characters so intimately and they've like sort of one foot in both because they were maybe worked with some of those original people on their downslope and then they sort of rose to prominence. This is like beautiful sort of bridge to that. But there aren't many bad cartoons, Mark. Yeah. No. That's, and that's I'm a, a subscriber thing. to Boomerang because I love old Looney Tunes. And mm-hmm. we've never talked, we don't talk a ton about, we talk a lot about Disney on this show, but we've never really talked about Looney Tunes all that much. I think we've talked about Looney Tunes characters. Yeah. Yeah. Way, way back. Uh, but I all, I got it specifically because I wanted to watch the Chuck Jones, Wiley Coyote cartoons, which are mm-hmm. per absolutely perfect comic timing. There has never been better comic timing than the Wiley Coyote cartoons, I, I think. One of the best silent comics. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Well, there's another juggernaut that we haven't really talked about. Hmm. Uh, you mentioned all these great characters and I think we would be remiss. And when you mentioned Billy West made me think of it of like modern era voice actors. And of course I think Billy West and Rob Paulson and the legendary Tom Kenny who gave us SpongeBob SquarePants, which yep. is a, th- which has made $13 billion for Nickelodeon. And while the Disney Channel gave us, I think, way more live action stars through their pipeline than Nickelodeon has, even though there's some great Nickelodeon stars that have come through, the biggest Nickelodeon star is an animated sponge who now has two spinoff series coming out or already out. Yeah. Were you a SpongeBob fan? You know, I've never been a SpongeBob fan. Not that I don't like it. I've just never dug into it. Anything I've seen of it, I've loved. Yeah. Cause it's, it is that sort of, um, has that sort of classy Shupo sensibility where it's like yeah. the weird close ups and the facial, ex- you can draw an ancestral line between yeah. them stylistically to a certain point. Sure. You take some Ren and Stimpy and you add a heaping helping of optimism and that's SpongeBob. Yeah. The voice cast is outstanding. Yeah. I love that it feels to me like people who watched it as a kid still watch it as an adult. Like mm-hmm. it, and that is the sign of a great kid show. If you yeah. can enjoy it either in the same way or graduate to a different level of enjoying it as you get older, that's just a well-made television show. And you'd be hard pressed to find shows that have maintained their level of quality as well as SpongeBob mm-hmm. has. For this, you know, people talk about like dips in the Simpsons and like these seasons aren't so great and it's maybe not what it once was. I've never heard that about SpongeBob and I've heard people talk about SpongeBob a lot. It's not like I'm not hearing it. And there may be that that opinion, I'm sure, is out there somewhere, but it doesn't feel like a popular opinion. It feels like people still love it. It's still got that crazy, wacky sensibility. I love that a marine biologist 
It was created by a marine biologist. Was it really? I love that. Yes. I didn't know that. I look, I love SpongeBob. I think SpongeBob's a lot of fun. I never was also a huge like daily viewer of it, but I love the movies. I think they're hilarious. I think the yeah, the comedy in them is very good. That's the thing that the Disney Channel maybe suffers from a little bit with its cartoons, at least back in the day. And you know, the, the, I don't think the it's it's that whole Disney versus Looney Tunes where Looney Tunes are just funnier. You know what I mean? And I think that because of that subversion factor in the idea that uh this is just for kids, kick your parents out of the room, we're just going to fill up on junk food. Let's be a little subversive and be a lot funnier. Disney feels a little more like meat and potatoes. You know what I mean? Like, sure, sure. Eat, like, I think you... And PBS you is out, your vegetables. You put it out correctly, it's something for the entire family to watch together. Yeah. That you sit down and watch. I think they've grown out of that a little bit. I don't think mm -hmm. that camp rock is necessary i think parents can watch it but sure. i don't think they will yeah. to the same extent of like oh we all love mickey right so let's watch that they might watch the wacky racer whatever whatever the mickey mouse uh, mickey mouse roadster mickey and the roadster racers mickey and the roadster racers mickey and the roadster but also you have um, right. i have all the theme songs for all of these stuck in my head the looney tune builders is that out yet oh i don't know i don't know i feel like i've auditioned for some version of that a yeah. million times also but at, like there, you can make versions of both sets of characters. Here's the question is what are we looking at what they have now? What they've always had? Are we picking who has the most popular thing? Cause now I don't know. That's, Bob? you know what? Let's, I think we can rapid fire do this. This is a thing that we okay. frequently do in an episode. I think we can do a rapid fire version of it, okay. which is throw out categories and pick a winner in each of those categories. And then if one of them clearly rises to the top. So I'll oh throw God, out one, guts? then you threw out one. Yeah, go with oh, your okay, guts okay. on it. All right. All so right, all right. I'll start with one that also just popped into my head. And I'm going to say movies because not all of these channels play movies. I think the edge on movies, as far as program, if we're looking at a whole channel, movies are a part of the programming. I think Disney has its whole back catalog plus all the DCOMs. I got to give that one to Disney. What do you think? Yeah, I think they excel at movies. That's what they do really well. All their original stuff. Brie Larson's in one of the early Disney Channel original. The no one kidding. Of, one about auto racing. Yeah. She was Very also cool. supposed to be, she was like a, yeah, she was in the Disney star machine. She was like a pop star, teen, teen pop star to be. All right. I'm going to go with a uh, pop culture impact. Mm -hmm. I would give this one to Nickelodeon. I would I absolutely. The, the vast majority of Disney's cultural impact has come from outside of. From stuff they already, their IP that already exists and their films that were happening outside of the channel, not to mm -hmm. take away from all the amazing things that they have, but I just would take Nickelodeon over it. And, and even like Cartoon Network now, I think stuff mm -hmm. like Steven Universe in terms of representation is super important. So I don't want to discount that, but I think that in terms of just the deep impact that Nickelodeon's had, and I think it cleared the way for a lot of kids programming that might not have otherwise existed. They helped yeah. introduce those those sensibilities. Well, that's one for Nickelodeon, one for Disney. I think that, and I don't know if this would be included in the same category, but I think mm -hmm. relationship to kids, which might also be, which the relationship to kids might be that legacy of Nickelodeon. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it being the first place that was like, this is for you. You know what I mean? And having that mentality behind it. But I don't know if that falls into its cultural impact, as you put it, I think, with Nickelodeon. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards Nickelodeon and I'm trying to think if I, I'm asking this question just to see if I'm off base. That for me, a lot of Nickelodeon programming was stuff you wanted to be involved in. 
Mm-hmm. Like you wanted to be slimed. You wanted to be on double dare and diving through the big mouth and fishing flags out of a booger filled nose, like doing yeah. that studio, which by all accounts smelled like hell. <laughs> oh yeah. Whereas with Disney, it's more like watching and just feeling, uh, like you're brought in in a different way and it isn't the way of like you want to be in it as much as you're engrossed with it. Like, I don't yeah. know if you wanted to go to the high school from high school musical or you just loved. Oh, I would love to go to a high school where even the basketball team is singing. <laughs> but, do, but when you watch Disney stuff, do you, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Does it make sense? And do you agree with it or am I is my bias pulling me in that direction? I don't really know, don't. honestly. And, and this is the thing. We're each going to have our biases because like I loved the Disney channel as a kid. I'm a Disney mm-hmm. adult. I am like the legacy of that company to me looms so large just in my life. Of course. Yeah. That that's where my, you know, that's where my biases are going to go is going to go toward Disney. And I would give Disney the points for being the star maker that it is. Oh, for sure. Yes. Disney created so many stars. Quality of the programs. I got to go PBS Kids on this. I think yeah. as far as the quality of the shows, what they are doing, the fact that they would have not just fun TV writers creating the shows, but also people who were concerned about the welfare of the next generation of people coming up. And that comes from it being public rather than a private company that owns it. That's, you know, advertising, you know, Tony the Tiger selling me Frosted Flakes in the commercial breaks. PBS is. Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers Neighborhood teaching me how to be a human, Sesame Street teaching me my ABCs, and you know even some of the animal shows and uh, Bill Nye the Science Guy and all of that. I think the quality of the programming has to go to PBS. When it comes to education on both practical and emotional matters, mm-hmm. nobody does it better than PBS. And I would almost yeah. say, like, PBS Kids should be the winner. Here's the thing that I think that they lack mm-hmm. is the variety of audience that the channel services so yeah. nickelodeon at one point took you from sharon lois and bram to pinwheel to mr wizard to you can't do that on television those are four you sort of age up into each one right mm-hmm. even to turkey television and out of control like those were like og coulier for those yeah. yeah um i think that i think they would win that category would you agree with that which PBS? No, no. Or that Nick would win. In terms win. of like the rate, I think PBS stops at a certain age. Yeah, that's true. It's very young. And Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon covers a, a wider one. range of what kid, what to, what it means to be a kid. Yeah. Square you know one I mean? and, uh, three, two, one contact maybe bridge that gap a little. Yeah. But it also at a certain point, you don't want to, you don't want to go to school. You know, you're learning at a certain point. You have to be into it. Mm-hmm. I think Sesame Street, you don't, you, when you're that young, you're not really aware you're learning. And with Mr. Rogers, you're not really aware that you're learning. You're, you're being developed into a better person. Yeah. But through entertainment, which is a huge, I mean, also in terms of cultural impact from what children's television was. Yeah. Like, like Howdy Doody and Bozo the Clown, which are great to, hey, television can actually be enriching. It can be valuable for children. Yeah. It can be something that aids in their development instead of something that everybody complains is stunting it. So, and also what I think Nickelodeon did along, like where PBS was like, we can make better people 
it feels like Nickelodeon looked at those classic shows like Bozo and, and Bozo's great. I loved the grand prize game going up, but yeah. a lot of those older kids shows, it feels like we're talking down to kids. Nickelodeon never feels like it's talking down. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And PBS also. Do you think they would have keyed into that without PBS? Like, do we get? No, I don't think without, they would. Yeah, I think. Without Double Dare proving that a kid's game show could work, do we get Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, which I was in the audience for? I went Gosh. to a live taping of Did it. Did you really? Yes. And then that picture of me looking sassy as a kid is from me being on kids court. I look that is that picture has been memed through many a text thread that you and I are on, including the one for this show. The number of times I've just seen sassy Hal face sent by Ken, surprisingly. Sure. It's, uh, you know, it's the perfect expression. <laughs> Let me ask you something. When Ken sends his argument for what it should be, which he's doing right now in the chat, yeah. and you look at it as I do, does it factor into your decision at all? Uh, yeah, but in the opposite way than he expects it to. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to? Do you want to? You, you want me to read no, it out Ken, loud? I'll, I'll 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 say what Ken said. It, it, it's a very good point, and yeah. it was something. Uh, it's something that I was actually going to bring up as well. Mm. So I hate that it was a thought that I had, but now that Ken typed it first, he gets credit for it. Mm-hmm. Which is, and we talked about it before, that whole kids and parents being on the same team versus being on different teams is yeah. Disney Channel is a family network. Nickelodeon is specifically a kids network. It was created for kids. It is specific to that demographic. So I would argue that, yeah, Nickelodeon has that edge. What about though current slates? And like, we're talking a lot about what we grew up on and what it was. Let's talk about what they are now, because I think Disney is crushing it in a way that Nickelodeon might not be. It feels like Nickelodeon might be resting on some classic properties really hard. No, I think they have great animated stuff now, too. Yeah. Like, the problem is we're not as much into it, right? Yeah. But, like, you have Avatar, The Last Airbender. You have Legend of Korra. Yeah. SpongeBob is still going on. Uh, Fairly Odd Parents is not, uh, is not one of them. I'm sorry. I, I'm completely blanking on their shows all of a sudden but yeah back in the day disney had incredible shows rocco's modern life rugrats and then in the middle era iCarly and some of the great live shows you've still got loud house on the air yep yeah it's fairly odd parents ran for 16 years yep you have a transformer still going avatar you have like a you have a ton of stuff yeah current ninja turtles yeah i mean yeah that's huge the Ninja Turtles? I can't even think. I don't know why I didn't even think of that. But yeah, Disney has, and Disney has great stuff too. They have Gravity Falls, DuckTales, Owl House, all currently on there. Ghost and Molly McGee, shout out to Edelstein for his work on that show. I think that show is amazing and super fun. Maybe cut, I think it was canceled, cut down too soon. You know, um, I worked on a demo for the, I, I knew somebody who was up to write the theme song for it and I did work on the demo for him. Oh, nice. That's awesome. I love that we keep coming across moments in this episode's like, oh, yeah, I worked on that. Yes. And our pal Dana Snyder did play the ghost. That's right. I also, uh, I was looking at a slate of their animated shows and I see one that's coming in 2024 that I've gone to producers for twice that I think is going to be like, it's so well written. Every time I get an audition for it, I'm like, oh, I know exactly. Like, I get this. It's like reading something that Acker and Blacker wrote. 
yeah. for us where it's like, I know exactly how this, how this should be done. I mm-hmm. know the style. I know what they're doing. It's so good. Like I'm dying to be on the show at some point. But as, as we pointed out before, Disney is Gravity Falls. They have DuckTales, of course. They rebooted DuckTales from their Disney afternoon, uh, which is not on the Disney channel. Yeah. Owl House. It's very tough. It's very tough. Both are great. I think we can eliminate. I think it's a binary choice now. It's Nickelodeon or Disney. Cartoon Network's great. Boomerang's fantastic. And PBS Kids changed all of our lives. But it's Nickelodeon or Disney. And I think we really may have to go with, on a pure technicality, Disney is a family channel and Nickelodeon is a kids channel. So the best kids channel might have to be the OG kids channel. I think so. And I have no problem saying that because a show on that channel was the reason I became an actor. How about that for being an objective answer? (laughs) Uh, People of the world. Yeah, I don't know the lyrics to it. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. That's the best kids channel. Explore it. Find some of the old shows that you haven't seen. If you have a kid now who's watching the current stuff, that's awesome. You have a whole library to go through with them. And honestly, anything that a child connects to is wonderful. And how great is it that children have this depth and breadth of choices of quality programming at all ages on all these channels? I think it is wonderful. It's it's so great. We are giving the nod to Nickelodeon on this one. It is asked and answered. Uh, Who gave us this one, Mark? This topic came from Devin Raffield. Thank you, Devin. This was fun to take a dive back into our childhoods. Uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thank you. This topic is closed, but there are many more topics to discuss. So if, like Devin, you have an idea for a topic, reach out to us on Twitter at We Got This Tweets or you can email us at We Got This Podcast at gmail.com. But what I really want you to do is join our Facebook group. It's at facebook.com slash group slash We Got This Podcast. It is going to ask you questions when you try to join because we like to try to keep it tight. Please answer them. That's how I know you're not a person who just stumbled on it. Like, if you put, what is a topic you want to see us cover and you write estate sales, I'm starting to think maybe (laughs) you don't listen to the show. If that's you and you do, just go change your answer. I don't want to leave you hanging, and I think it's been a year plus. Yeah, so estate sale versus garage sale versus yard sale. Let's do this. We just had someone new come in the group today and post, and so awesome. So nice to see them come in. Please Everybody make the new folks feel welcome. New folks come in and get involved. We're so happy to have you there. Thank you to producer Ken Plume. You can find him at patreon.com. Ken Plume and support him there. Researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kilman, and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, the people of the world, with whom Hal and I would love to sit down with like a mixing bowl, not like a regular cereal bowl. I'm talking a mixing bowl. And we're going to put every possible cereal we have in there, and we are going to lay on the ground in front of the TV and watch Nickelodeon with you and laugh our butts off at some amazing, hilarious shows. And we would not do it without you listening to the show and coming back week after week. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We got this. We got this. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported